The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. You ever thought you were doing too much, far too much? Are you a person who is always on the go, a million and one things to do, never want to miss an opportunity, even at the expense of relationships? Does that sound like something you might be addicted to? Well, my next guest had that addiction. Still has the addiction, but it is under control. There is such a thing as doing too much. And as you're going to discover in this episode, Renee Deneen was that person. But she managed to take control of her life and take control of her addiction. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to Renee Deneen. Hello, Renee, and welcome to Inspire Us. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. You know, you have a remarkable story, and I watched your TED Talk and just uh, was really fascinated by what you had to say about addiction and you are an addict and and i guess if nobody knows that yet it's on the air now and uh, yeah you're an addict but your addiction is something that a lot of people don't really put into words that they are addicted to we always or, or most of us think of addiction as a, a substance addiction an alcohol addiction whatever but you are a recovering workaholic and doing addict. Would you tell us about that? I mean, that's something I think more people need to know about. Yeah, well, let me first just say that addiction is a super sensitive topic. So naming doing as an addiction was not like a, oh, of course I'll name it that, no big deal. Um, I really had to think about what I meant when I was going to say that. And I open up my TED talk saying, you know, hi, I'm Renee and I'm an addict. And so I very much see my addiction as something that I wasn't in control of. It was harming myself and others. It was creating a dependency on something that was outside of myself. I used doing and taking action to numb myself out to other things that were going on around me. Um, I used it to affirm my identity. I used it to have an excuse to check out of things I didn't want to be checked into. So as I really, and I, I have people in my family who are, who have addiction, who struggle with addiction of substance abuse and other things. And so I really talked to a lot of people first to say, you know, am I okay to name it that? Um, and they said, absolutely. You know, it, does it have you or do you have it? And I said, yeah, it's had me my whole life. And I, I'm really dedicated to to changing that dynamic of how I relate to contribution and action and activities um, in my day-to-day -day life. So I chose to go big on it um, and I did that very tenderly. What I mean you know, by that is that uh, I am addicted to uh, whatever task flies by, you know, is offered up, um, is sitting there idle, I would just do it. And I did it for a bunch of different reasons, which we can go into. And I think People have different reasons for 
they're doing addiction. But as I named it for myself, I started to look around and I saw it all around me. And I started to feel very sad at the effect that our addiction to doing um, was having on our health and well-being, on corporate cultures, on relationships, and maybe most importantly, on our really connection to our truest self um, and self-worth. So Yeah, and you just touched on something that's very true, that when we recognize that there is an addiction uh, that we are, are experiencing, and in your case, it was overworking, overdoing. And if you don't take care of that body of yours, that body of yours is going to take care of you and not in a good way. So I, how was it that you became aware of this? And if you could go back to Renee as a little girl, when did this all start to happen? Were, were you trying to please people? Were you just uh, focused on, on doing as much as you, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, thank you for that question because it does go back that far. Um, I think there's a, like other addictions, there's a personality influence for sure. And um, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with the Enneagram. Um, I'm a type seven and that's yes, the enthusiast, but, but also my personality is I, you know, everything looks fun, right? Every, and everything, there's an opportunity. And, you know, this FOMO really was part of my life from the very beginning. I, I didn't want to miss a party. I was the girl in high school who tried to see every party that I knew about rather than staying at one and dropping in. I was the girl who didn't just do cheerleading and track and field. She had a horse and she also danced, you know, I had friends from every clique on campus. Yeah, you know, I just, I, I spread myself thin my entire life and it fed me obviously. And, you know, it was a, a very visceral, um, real way to live my life. But back then somehow it gave more than it took. You know, it allowed me to meet lots of people and have lots of friends and explore lots of things. Um, and that, as I moved into my working world and I started my career in the Silicon Valley, right? They're gonna, they're gonna ask of you all that you are willing to give. And I didn't have good boundaries. I never learned good boundaries um, for my time. And my mother was also a workaholic uh, and still is. She works 60 hours a week. She's you know 76 years old. So she modeled it well for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I just took that in as this is who I am. I'm a doer. And I was proud of it. And I was rewarded for it. And so that addiction kept being fed over time. I had children. My roles got bigger. I started to travel the world and we moved overseas and um, I started having physical manifestations of tr uh, tremors. Um, I was stuttering and my doctor thought I had multiple sclerosis. So an MRI later, thankfully I didn't, um, but it had caught up to me. And at that time I was kind of early, early to mid 40. Um, and uh, I was scared. I thought, oh, look what I've done to myself. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of a, the first, the bigger wake up call, but there were lots of small ones, you know, sitting at the dinner table on my phone, my kids looking at me and I didn't even notice, you know, or just missing things or just having just a low patience threshold, you know, cause I was just so packed and so overcommitted. 
Um, and so finally I thought, oh my God, my kids at this time now, I guess we're about seven and nine. I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm missing, I'm doing kind of what my mom did to me and I resented her for. Um, so I didn't want to do that anymore. So it was a series of things. It was, it's a great question, but I have been a doer my whole life. I was modeled, it was rewarded. And finally my fuse ran out and I had to make some choices. And I think that that's something that, um, all our listeners should really pay attention to with COVID-19 happening uh, and our lives having been turned upside down and some much more than others. We have a, a part of the population who have very little to do with their time and, um, and some of them are not doing anything with their time, whereas others are, are trying to fill their time with as much as they possibly can to remain creative, to remain functioning, to, to fill the time of not connecting with other human beings. And then we have our frontline workers who are out there 24-7 uh, trying to take care of the rest of us and, and making our world a safe place. So it's really important that they be aware of some of the signs that... Um, that alert them to, that perhaps they are very much like yourself. They are workaholics with a, a doing addiction. What would you, what are some of the signs that you could share with us that might alert someone that it's time to take a little bit of a break or to become more aware of their actions and to modify what they're doing? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can give advice. There's three things that are important for me, most important from a value perspective. One is my that I contribute to something bigger than myself. Two, that my relationships are thriving and healthy um, and well-bonded and, and connected. Um, and I think third, that you know I stay physically well. So for me, all three of those things I put at risk. I just, I just took them for granted and they started to break down. Thankfully, I, I'm still married. Thankfully, my kids still love me. Um, Thankfully, my parents are still alive, right? Like all of those things, I'm like, oh, thank you. So I don't have to live with massive regret. But um, I, I think that the first important sign is that you feel as if you've lost the choice over how you live your day-to-day -day life. That the what you've gotten yourself into, whether it be work or relationship, because it could happen, you know, with the social calendar. It could happen with community service. It can happen with work. It could happen with you know, you're just an avid learner. So you're sort of, you know, I have lots of friends, like I've never taken so many webinars, but I'm not getting anything out of them because I'm signing up for too much, right? It's this gluttonous need for tasting everything, trying everything, not missing out. So I think that once you realize like, oh shoot, I've gotten myself, you know, into a real pickle. I'm not, I'm not choosing anymore. And then from there to start to back up and see how, how that's manifesting, the effect of that on whatever is important to you. I mentioned what's important to me. So those were my lenses that I had to get honest about. Um, I think there's also a somatic manifestation of obligations. So, you know, that shows up differently for people. But for me, like my neck and shoulders were constantly just out of whack. And at the time I thought, oh, I just have a faulty neck and shoulders, right? We can justify anything. And I'm like, well, no, it's because you're sleeping four hours of night. You're waking up thinking, you're never settling. Your nervous system is so overloaded. You're pushing too much adrenaline to, to yourself. You're not savoring things. You're tasting too much and not savoring enough, right? And so and I had done that to myself. So um, somatically, I would pay attention. And maybe the third I'll say is people will tell you the truth if you ask, you know, how am I? Do you feel like you have my attention? Am I present when I'm with you? Am I fair? Do I offer grace? 
right? Can I be tender? Can I be playful? Um, and most of the answers to those questions for me five, six, seven years ago were mm, once in a while. <laughs> mm. And yet they were really a part of me. And I had, I had um, turned the volume down on a lot of those qualities about myself uh, over time that I'd almost forgotten them, so. Renee, you um, spoke of something that uh, really uh, requires us to go a little bit deeper, I think, is that not only were you harming yourself by being an overachiever or, or just working yourself to the bone, but the people around you were also being affected uh, by your addiction. Mm -hmm. and, um, and fortunately, as you said, you were able to maintain those relationships and you have those great relationships now. But yeah, there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot collateral of collateral damage. Yeah. That's it. That's thank yeah. you for, for saying that. Yeah, that's it. The collateral damage, not only for yourself and, and your body was, and there's something, and I've spoken to a lot of people uh, who say that they, they say that your body will let you know when something's breaking down. Mm -hmm. And in your case, it was your shoulders and your neck. And that was kind of like your, your internal, your, your mind telling you, hey, wait a minute, uh, slow down, girl, because um, if you don't, uh, the rest of your body is going to break down on you and then you won't have anything to do. <laughs> so um, I think that that's a really important thing. What are some of the things that drive you now? Like you've gone, are you, are you still an addict? Are, are, is that still part of your life or are you driven by something different? Definitely implemented practices um, to keep me sober, really. And, and when I say sobriety, I mean, you know, not being so gluttonous and just, you know, let me have more and more and more. And so for me, sobriety looks like saying no more often than I say yes. Um, really discerning between the must-haves and the nice-to-haves. You know, I'm still, I'm still producing, right? I'm still contributing. I would never be authentic in sending a message that says the world doesn't need your contribution, just stay home, right? Like, no, of course not. We contribute through our actions, but those actions, you know, number one should tell people who we are, not be the definition of who we are, right? So staying connected to and alive with like what I do in the world communicates to others who I am more vividly than most anything else and staying awake to that and that's why I called it authentic inaction helps you lead an authentic and, and gracious life. You know, you are going to be inherently more in flow when you are choosing what you say yes to and what you say no to. So I am constantly sitting with the questions. Should I do that? Do I really want to do that? Am I the even person to do that? Before I'd be like, I can, I want to, I should, I will, right? Like that was, those were my choices. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, no, I would say I'm, I will be in recovery likely my entire life. Why the world is so bountiful. There's so many good things mm -hmm. to, to do and taste. And, you know, if you are blessed with access to those things on a regular basis, you're going to want to, you know, there's also a mantra like, you know, don't waste it. You need to take advantage of it, make the most of it. So I think the second thing is kind of reprogramming my narrative around what it means to truly contribute and what it make, means to make space for others to contribute. And, and you mentioned my collateral damage. I managed people for 25 years. I modeled my addiction and I expected them to also be doing addicts, committed to the, to the task and do, you know, a chance to kind of do oh, it okay. all. That's your dog, yeah. I know, hi dog, yeah. um, COVID times. Um, that's it. And, 
you know, I think I modeled that so well and I expected that. And I imagine I, I indirectly, but directly influence negative effects in their life. And so starting to hear those stories and people may not tell you, you know, when you're an addict, people don't necessarily feel comfortable just name, you know, Hey, you're drinking too much, right? That's a very hard thing to say to someone. Right. Right. Um, but once I backed away and named it myself, people said, yeah, it was tough. Sometimes I felt like you weren't fully present with me, or I felt like you would show up, but then leave early because you committed to something else. Or what they really wanted to say is I never felt like I was the most important person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do understand that. I want to ask you something. Yours was in part a learned behavior from your mom. And your mom is still that workaholic today, even though she's 75 years old. Did any of your children, your addiction rub off on them? Oh, my daughter, for sure. My son is opposite. Thank God for his energy in the house because I mean, I'm baffled by him. I mean, he has low sense of urgency. He's super choiceful doesn't want to do more than one, maybe two things a weekend, right? So he's a beautiful model for me. My husband's also not a doing addict. So I didn't marry one. So that's good. Yeah. As much as it causes frustration sometimes. Yeah, overall, that's a real positive. But my daughter is a lot like me. And she is, what are we doing next? Like, literally, we will be, we'll, my, my girlfriend tells a great story. They were in Tahoe. And they went to this lovely beach, they unpacked, right? They were, and she's like out on the paddleboard and she's like, so what are we doing next? And my girlfriend's like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're doing. And so she's like, oh, okay. I mean, she was fine with it, but her, her tendency, right? Her pattern is what's coming next. Right. And uh, so I, you know, hopefully I can unwire her sooner than I was unwired. And we talk a lot about it, but yeah, for sure. Oh, good. Yeah. And, and I wondered about that. And let me ask you this. What, um, if nothing had changed, what would be different today for you? Oh, gosh, if nothing had changed, if I sort of, it, let me say one thing about it. Five years ago, I left my corporate life and life that had been very good to me. And I received a lot of incredible experiences, met a lot of great people and did a lot of great work. So I, I wasn't in pain like, wow, I hate this. What have I done? It wasn't that. It was just, I don't wanna do this 60 hours a week. I just don't. And so what's different for me is I, I mean, aside from I work like 20 hours a week and um, I still make a beautiful living and I, everything I do, I love mm. and, um, I think the biggest difference being for me internal versus external and it works for me. And I knew that's why I had to leave is that when I'm on the inside, I was so attached. I, I wanted it always more for them than they wanted it for themselves. Every big transformational change I led, every coaching intervention, et cetera. So, you know, I was just so attached mm -hmm. and um, invested. And I think now I get to dip in and out and there's beauty in that, you know, there's ease, there's objectivity, there's flow, there's grace, there's balance. And so I think in my working world, even though I do similar things, I, I'm so much less attached. Doesn't mean I'm less committed, but I'm not so mirrored in, in all of it going on. So I can stay and fly at a different level. So that's different in my working life. I think what's different in my personal life is, and my a girlfriend said this to me at dinner, who's also a very busy person. So to have another busy person say that to you, she's like, to have you available, like, oh, are you free for lunch? It's, you know, 11 o'clock. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's go to lunch. Or 
for me to call and be like, oh, I'm going on a walk. You want to go with me or whatever that looks like, like just to be accessible to people, to like have me, my person be someone that they can spend time with without having to plan it feels mm. like a big deal. And I would say the biggest is as a parent, I settle in, watch TV shows with my kids. I take them. I enjoy, we go to carpool. I mean, they hate it. Cause I ask so many questions. My son's always like, why do you ask so many questions? <laughs> like, I just want to know you, you know, I, I think what I realized like five years ago, I knew my kids, but I didn't really know them and they didn't know me and that wasn't okay. And so the biggest difference is my kids know me. We, and it, because we spend so much quality time together and I know them on such a deep level. I get, I get teary eyed thinking about it because um, I would have missed that. I, I would have probably not really fully known them ever because I would have missed this whole period of their life. Yeah. And the collateral damage to that, as, as we talked about a little bit earlier, focusing so much on doing so much and then having the people around you that matter the most uh, go unnoticed, unseen, um, and missing out on their important events in their lives because you're focused on just getting so much done and, and just uh, helping so many other people and doing this and doing that. Yeah. yeah, sometimes we do have to take that break and just uh, take the deep breath. Victor Frankl, um, who is one of my favorite authors, um, he spoke about that moment uh, between, you know, thought and action in which we can really seize that moment to take a deep breath and see whether we go forward or, or what, how we respond to what it is that's, that's going on. And it sounds like you have done that. You took that deep breath in your life and um, everything um, has kind of smoothed out for you there. And, and as you said, even to the point where you're starting to feel tremors and, and your body is starting to break down and that's, that's no longer happening, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, Maybe one more comment on the message that I send to my kids and my, and my people I care about, right. Is I may, they may be that important to me, but that is not the message that they were receiving. And therefore that is not what they were going to feel from me, you know? And so I think, as much as we can all say, of course, family is more important in relation to like, what, it's like a kind of a biblical verse, but there goes your time, there goes your heart, you know? And so where was I spending my time? Because mm. it was all good stuff, but at the expense of better stuff. So I love that comment. And it's a beautiful comment. Now, uh, is there anything that you could share uh, to our listeners who may be experiencing that overload? Um, is there anything that you could tell them that might give them a little bit of comfort uh, in these difficult times? Hmm. I mean, if you're resonating at all with, with this conversation, and if you listen to my TED Talk, I, I kind of lay out five types of doers and the practice is authentic inaction. It could be a second, it could be a year, right? Where we sit in inaction long enough to take the right action. So I would say even stepping into this addiction as a, as a journey um, and being willing to name it as such, there is a certain authentic inaction that needs to happen. Like, is this the right time to really shift the course of my day-to-day -day life? Um, are, are people around me going to be supportive of that? Am I going to, you know, am I ready to really commit myself to a different ease and flow in my day-to-day -day life? And so sit with that question and ask yourself, sit with it long enough to really decide um, because things will change for you. You will be saying no, you will be required to make different choices. You know, you will be kind of, once you name your addiction, that's why I did my Ted talk. I figured if I put it out there in the world, I'd have to stay, stay with it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so know that you can and and will cross that bridge where your life is again your own and and it's a worthy journey to take. It won't happen overnight, but if if you're resonating with this, I can just tell you it's a worthy journey and it will give a lot more than it takes and it and it won't be easy, but it'll be it'll be worth it. Thank you. Well, that uh, that is so important for all of us to do is to become aware by self-examination. You know, is my life going the way that I want it to? Am I doing too much? Am I at the expense of perhaps something, as you said, that, that is much more important in the long run at the end of our days? We don't want to be looking back from our deathbed, you know, regretting the things, uh, the relationships that we didn't take care of. Uh, the things that we should have been doing. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I have seen your TED Talk. And to all our viewers out there, uh, please listen to it. Uh, it is, it's really eye-opening and it could very well save your life. Um, Renee, how can people connect with you? How can they, you have a book. Um, I'd like you to talk about your book and how people can, you know, can reach out to you. Um, the book is called, I co-authored a book this year with a number of other amazing women called The Art and Truth of Transformation for Women. It was out in the fall. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. And it is um, really a book of stories of, of transformations. And I talk specifically about my me leaving my corporate life. Um, my TED Talk is Authentic in Action, Undoing the Doing in a Do Crazy World. And it's got a website. And again, if you resonate with this addiction, I've curated a uh, hundreds of resources around this this topic and related topics so you can find that there and then um you know my business is coaching consulting mostly executive and team development and uh renee so lots of options oh and my my instagram is at renee m Deneen. and i'm just really building a brand there but that's probably got my latest thinking um i post pretty much daily and it's usually related to this topic so Wonderful. Thank hard you. To find. <laughs> I, and I, and you will be easier to find because I'm going to put it in my show notes as well, all those connections. So thank you, Renee, for taking your time and sharing this incredible uh, journey of yours and the important information that I'm sure I know I have and my listeners have benefited from. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.